Welcome to another episode of the Good Listening To Show, your life and times with me, Chris Grimes. The storytelling show that features The Clearing, where all good questions come to get asked and all good stories come to be told. And where all my guests have two things in common. They're all creative individuals and all with an interesting story to tell. There are some lovely storytelling metaphors. A clearing, a tree, a juicy storytelling exercise called 54321, some alchemy, some gold, a cheeky bit of Shakespeare and a cake. So it's all to play for. So yes, welcome to the Good Listening To Show, your life and times with me, Chris Grimes. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we shall begin. And there we have it. And I, I'm always counting to four before I come in, so I don't have to edit this on later. So yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, that's four welcomes to the lovely Scottish BAFTA award-winning actress, Shauna MacDonald, also known, I really enjoyed researching you. You told me a couple of weeks ago, if we Google you, a lot of horror comes up, which I thought mm -hmm. was quite nice. Um, because you're known as the Queen of Scream or the Scream of Queen or the Scream Queen, partly because you're in The Descent, which presses everyone's buttons. That was circa 2006. And I, I know you did mm. The Descent too, as if we'd already not had enough of it going dark and things biting us in the darkness. You did it in 2009. And, and, and you also happen to be married to a man who's rowing across the Atlantic at the moment, actor Cal McAninch. You're a dynamic duo of acting profession awesomeness. So uh, Shauna McDonald, you are extremely welcome to the Good Listening To Cleary. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Lovely. And you mentioned just a few moments ago, every day is a frenetic day or a weird day at the moment, partly yes. because of what's going on in the background. So not just your background at home, but tell us all, please, what's going on in the background. So Cal, as you mentioned, is rowing across the Atlantic just now. So they're 10 days in. They're hoping to, to row anywhere between 36 and 40 days. It's 3,000 miles. They're doing it for charity and it's a crew of five. So they're off. Um, obviously, he'll be away for Christmas and New Year. And I've we've got three kids and two dogs and one cat. And I run a youth theatre as well as try and act. So it's always busy. And when there's a man down uh, or a man out at sea, it's even busier in a good way. Yes. And it sounds like you've actually he's got the easy job just running the Atlantic. I think you've so. got all that to deal with. Yes. And he comes back being the hero and the glory. And I just, I'm um, just trying to keep the house uh, tidy. And he'll probably pull that old, I'm tired when he comes back. Yes. He's very good at not pulling that since we've had kids. He's, he's always been good at getting up and getting on, but I think he will actually be exhausted. <laughs> yes. And with your permission, what I'd like to do is um, do a bit of a postscript, a captain's log supplemental at the very end of this, which I'll tag yep. on because it'd be great to talk about Atlantic Body and Soul and indeed help mm. raise funds for him and for the initiative. Because you've also become the queen of his Twitterverse as well, haven't you? You are the social yes. media queen. Of yes. And I, I, I don't really enjoy social media, although I found it quite cathartic in the last year. But we'll maybe get on to that because my mum died in January. So I found myself posting videos on Instagram of me talking to the camera, which I never thought I'd do. Um, so I've kind of used it to my advantage, never trying to sell anything, just um, maybe just trying to have some sort of honest uh, release of something that I wanted to. But anyway, this for Cal's epic, that's a whole different ball game. It's about trying to direct as many people to their pages as possible and trying to spread the word so as many people who can manage can donate to the two incredible causes. Yeah. And so you're using it as a sort of catharsis because of, you know, what has happened in recent history, not not the the Atlantic Row. You're talking about your mum's thing and the Instagram. Yes, I did. Yeah. 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 I've sort of very much when she um in the first couple of months after she died, I found it, it started with this has happened and uh, get in contact. My daughter's just asking if she can let the dog out of the bathroom, which they're not usually allowed to do because we just laid the grass, but it's fine. Um, so I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. There's some real life happening there. Who let real the dog life. out? One of your three daughters. One yeah. of my three. Yes, it's all fine. Um and um, by the way, just while I mention um, your family, yeah. um, I, mm. the comedian in me has to ask if your friends, sorry, if your children ask their friends round and they say we're going to McDonald's, do they turn up feeling a bit disappointed? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, in Scotland, there's a whole load more McDonald than there would be anywhere else. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, so I've had that before. I'm afraid it's just round to our house for something like, I don't know, tuna pasta. But anyway, the Instagram thing. So I've used it, yes, uh, catharsically when my mum died. And uh, you you realise you join this um, the club that nobody wants to be a part of, which is the Dead Mothers Club. But actually in that club is some amazing... Uh, people that I knew already and that loads of people that I didn't know and uh, sort of started this dialogue, um, not in any sort of blog, very um, often on, um, not really following anything up, but sort of bursting out onto Instagram and then taking lots of time to read what everybody else had gone through and also it was really helpful to know other people's journeys with it because it's really awful. And, and it's catharsis, good when people, yeah. Catharsis in commonality of experience, obviously. Exactly. And when people are real with you, you know, just saying things like, actually, it's really awful and um, you don't stop missing them. It's not that anything makes it better, but you learn to live alongside the grief. And, and, and you know, the big, the big statements... Uh, you know, not letting it swallow you up and things like that actually really was helpful. And I'm not, um, I'm quite an honest, straightforward person. I don't really go in for uh, mantras or mottos or, but actually in that moment, those sort of things uh, helped to ground me and helped me to to stay afloat. See what you did there with Atlantic. See what I did. So, yes. All all life is pulling across the Atlantic at the moment. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> wow. Lovely analogy there and metaphor. Um, so let's get you on the open road of yes. the good listening to. And I'm sure, I mean, I, I'm sorry, I forgot to ask you, is your father still around? My dad is still around. So I moved back to Edinburgh and I live, Cal and I live on the street that my family home is on. And oh. that was a very much a, a decision to leave London to, I don't think my agent was that impressed, but leave London to be around my mum and dad to yes. have kids. So he's very close. He's just next door, literally next door. So I still see my dad a lot, which is great. And I'm hoping you're going to talk about the Edinburgh Youth Theatre as well, because you're directing Oh, yes, too. I am, which is actually just over my wall. And that's one of the reasons why it exists, because it, it I've made it fit. I couldn't run it because I am really busy with acting. Thank goodness, touching all the wood. I'm still managing to keep keep in there and get my foot in the door and so um yeah we've grown that Edinburgh Youth Theatre we now have 230 kids every week and we do work in schools and we've just been given an exciting new project with Creative Scotland that will give free access to our film curriculum so yes we're doing that alongside and uh, the venue literally is next door to my house so I can and I don't doubt very exciting for the youth theatre attendees to know that they've got a, a working actress who's also been prolifically successful and showing well, that you can do this and be busy and be a parent and be a yes there is a bit of that but when you're down doing the sort of nuts and bolts of it I am to many of them Shauna and also other people's mum I'm their I, I'm their pal's mum and yeah. I will come in and you know after I've done a shoot or something and talk about but if they're not having fun in class if they're not exploring exciting things within class it doesn't really matter what I'm doing you know I've I've been able to bring in really exciting people into the project people that I've worked with so coming up we're working with amazing people in the past we've we've had master classes including from James McAvoy, Jack Loudon, Kate Dickey, Steph Smith, Sam Hewen, uh, Moyo Akandi, uh, Simone Pereira-Hind, like loads of amazing people that just happen to be in my phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, and John McPhail as well, and they come back because they, or they give their time up because they want to pass it on and also they get it and they understand what I'm doing, which is trying yes. to give as much performing arts experiences and, there's and a, remo- removing obstacles. And yeah, they want to give. And there's a resonance, isn't there? And, and until you ask the question, the answer is always going to be no. And often if you ask people for help and they get the cause, they'll say yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this uh, film curriculum that we're launching, um, the masterclasses that we're doing involve coming in or doing online, but actual teaching. And I thought, OK, that people might be a bit more uh, resistant to it because often creatives, they sort of panic about 
passing on their knowledge in in a in a way that's structured and I said you know I'll help with the actual you know lesson plan uh, but everybody said yes so yes. you know and that's that's a different commitment to you know like a a, a drop in for a Q&A so um we've got incredible directors makeup artists costume designers um producers script writers that are going to mm. come in and actually work in and amongst the young people to try and because Scotland's got this incredible um, capacity to tell stories, but what has happened and it's sort of leveling out, but not enough. Um, we didn't really have the capacity to hold on to our people um, or people who live with it by that. I mean, people living within Scotland, that's all I mean yeah. by that. Um, so you get to, and also in schools, a lot of schools don't even offer it as a part of the curriculum. They have like a media studies or a drama, but there was kind of no film or it, yeah. it just young people didn't know and still don't know how to get into the film industry. So I'm part of a mission, really, to try and uh, give skills to young people within Scotland and make connections with, you know, the higher education, uh, Creative Scotland, production companies, and sort of marry it all together. So people, when they get older and are choosing to do, you know, are they going to stay in Scotland? Yes. Or move away with their talents that they choose to actually stay here because they can create a living. And when I graduated from in 2002 from the RCS, there was no question we were told to go to London. You know, we were really told if you if you stay in Scotland, you can exist in Scottish theatre. Yes. Go to London if you want to exist anything bigger. And that wasn't entirely true. It depends who you were talking to. But that was the message that I heard. So I went to London and did lots of great things. But actually to the point where I wasn't really getting seen for anything Scottish anymore. And there was very much, I think, a snobbery. There's a postcode snobbery of where you live. Yeah. And if you have a London postcode still exists, uh, I think uh, whoever you know holds the cards thinks that that particular actor, artist, crew member is better for the job. And if you have an LA postcode, they will fly you in quite happily rather than getting someone from down the road in Fife. I mean, it really is quite awful. There's, there's an equivalence of that in the fact I'm based in Bristol and there's a, a circuit, there's a film industry that there is a circuit, but there is still that irony of, oh, if you if you want to really go for the audition, you've got to go to London yeah. to do it. But Absolutely. I'm really glad you're trailblazing. And, and so you, you've done a bit of a homecoming. The Queen of yes. Scream has done homecoming. Yes. And what do you think about that title, by the way? I know it's it's lovely and it catches all, but of course, it's 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 the least of it, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I've got fellow friends that I've met through the years on various panels, horror panels and film festivals who are also scream queens. Some yeah. like it, some don't. The ones that don't, um, their opinions have points such as to call someone a scream queen kind of dilute severely what an actor in a in that sort of genre has to do. And I don't think I've ever screamed in a horror film. I've roared and shouted and fought and had, you know, ang an anguished voice or a very angry voice. I have never screamed. I think the scream is a hangover from that sort of... Um, you know, that um, slasher movie type, running away yes. from a male with a knife. And I've never done that sort of film, and I, I don't think I will do that sort of film. And there's so many sub-genres in horror. So I'm not, I mean, I think I've got footage of me saying, uh, I'm now a BAFTA-winning scream queen, and I love it. Um, I've, <laughs> I've since thought about me saying that. I was over, <laughs> overcome with the, with the moment. Um, and by the way, we yeah, said yeah. In researching you, I, I, I like the title of The Mutant Chronicles, which oh, made me yeah. think it's like a, a diary of a zombie. It was a day in the life of a zombie. Like, I have no idea what it was like. I just like the title. <laughs> There's also that irony of your first, one of your first TV breaks was Spooks. Oh, and yes. of course, that sounds like that's getting into horror. But of course, that was the spy genre as opposed to. Yes. And that's yes. back on BBC iPlayer, actually. So if you want to see a very young 21 year old Shauna McDonald, whose voice, I sound like I'm 12. I mean, I've always had a hang up about my voice. And uh, when I'm, I'm not, 
my voice isn't on it today. Like I've really got to, if I want to sound grounded and, you know, impactful with my voice, I actually do have to work on it because I had a lisp when I was a kid and it's quite high. And so if I, I'm quite conscious of my voice. And by um, the way, just to, I'm not just being kind to you, you need to just park your hang up. I'll that park point. that. Okay, just it's okay. It because it, it's a script. It. Of, of of the past that's no longer helpful that's we say. true but in but my goodness when I was younger wowzers um I, I <laughs> and I I remember being frustrated at, why am I getting these vulnerable roles I don't feel vulnerable and then I sort of look back at myself and hear myself and go wow you were I had a softness um and then I did the descent and then people started to give me kind of more robust roles. Gave you more gravitas and authority because you can, I mean, it, it pressed all my buttons. I did see that film and just the idea of claustrophobia <laughs> and being in the dark and the light suddenly switching off and then things that are coming to get you. It's not good. No. <laughs> it's all your worst nightmares. So let's get you on the open road then of the structure of, we're going to ask in a minute where your clearing okay. is and then I'm going to arrive with a tree, then a shaky tree, then there's going to be alchemy, some gold, a couple of random squirrels, a cheeky bit of Shakespeare and a cake. So it's all to play for. Love so um, Shauna MacDonald, BAFTA, <laughs> Scottish BAFTA, award-winning <laughs> actress. And by the way, that but, uh, was for the film White Chamber, wasn't it? Yeah, Just a horror film. Yeah, it was. Where is what is a clearing like for you? Where do you go to get clutter-free, inspirational and able to think? It may sound obvious, but I go to the beach. We're very close to the beach. I've I've grown up. Um, I grew up in Portobello, which is Edinburgh's seaside. And uh, I used to run a lot. I ran a lot, a lot, a lot until I couldn't run anymore, really. I did an Ironman where you finish the whole event with, an, with a marathon. And that kind of um, just my knees sort of decided after that that I'd run run myself out I used to run along the coast and that used to be where I got peace because I've always had this thing of momentum I have to physically if I'm not moving forward I have to physically move forward <laughs> and I realized that running uh, that was why I was getting hooked because I felt like I'd done something because I'd moved through the space anyway so um I now have dogs that sort of tick that box anyway, in terms of you have to walk them, you have to move through the space. So I will go down to our beach and walk along the shore, feeling calm, feeling where, where I am. Portobello for me is my absolute home. It feel it, It's where I feel safe. I grew up here. I know so many people here. I'm surrounded by my the memory of my mum and all her friends are still here so I feel very much rooted and the sea just calms me down and so, in terms of yeah. the velocity and the momentum of moving forward I remember from a conversation that I had with Cal you've got dogs of two very different sizes haven't you so. yes we've got a massive Weimaraner many people mistake him for a small Great Dane and we've got a very small palm chi, which is a Chihuahua Pomeranian cross. Uh, they're both short-haired and they look, they do look. That I get at least the comment little and large twice a day. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I can imagine the pace that you have to move at is quite nicely, you know, the group find the squad, the walking squad finds their pace because everyone's yeah. size, shape, state and all of that. Well, it's nice. The the wee one, Loki, he sort of sticks with me, trots behind me, and the big one, Bear, he bounds off and makes friends with all the other dogs, and we just follow behind. It's very and comically. Sweet. I always hope that it'd be like a handbag dog for Cal whenever he goes to any. Big oh event. yeah, absolutely. I Paris Hilton was, you know, she's sort of the '90s magazine queen when I was growing up, and I didn't want to be Paris Hilton, but I did want her handbag handbag dog. So when I turned forty. Cal got me a handbag dog. <laughs> Congratulations and all that shablang. Okay. So we're on Portobello. We're walking along the beach. Mm. And um, are you with your dogs at this moment? I'm about to arrive with a tree to shake your tree to see which storytelling apples fall out. Uh, I don't like really being on my own. So, yes, I'll be with the dogs. Yeah. And the girls with you. And Cal, you can decide. I'm just getting no, an idea of what's No, it's just me, me and the dogs because generally... Uh, I get out. That's when I, I escape. I have to walk with the dogs suddenly. 
And I like that reading between the lines. If you had to had to had to choose mum between us and the dogs, who would you choose? If you've chosen oh, well, the, dog. the dogs. The dogs, I'm afraid, are are down the bottom of the ladder, but just for headspace. Because as a yes. mum, you're always needed. Even when you're just on a walk, you're needed. Mum, can we or mum, can we talk about this? Or mum, what do you think about, you know? And if you want headspace, you go out with with either by yourself or things that can't talk. Lovely. So I'm going to arrive now, a bit waiting for Godot-esque, deliberately, existentially, to arrive with my tree. Now, this is where you've prepared. You've had five minutes at Sean McDonald to have thought about four things that have shaped you, three things that inspire you, two things that never fail to grab your attention and borrow from the film up. Oh, that's my oh, squirrels moment. Now, what never fails to grab your attention, irrespective of anything else that's going on for you in your obviously hectic and frenetic life. And then finally, a quirky or unusual fact about you. Oh, yeah. You couldn't possibly know until you tell us. So over to you to interpret the shaking of the canopy of your tree. So the four things that have shaped me. So I, I have to say uh, the support from my mum and dad when I when I said that I wanted to be an, an actor there was never a resistance at all they were just thrilled that I had found something that I really enjoyed doing and I was passionate about so their unending support and I will oh I forgot it when I got my Scottish BAFTA I didn't thank them and I've always regretted it and I always thought oh, I'll get another one and thank them but obviously my mum cannot hear it anymore so so that's a bit of a bummer, but I've written her name on my arm as a tattoo. So should I ever oh. get another, I will never forget. <laughs> That'll be my note. Oh, I, I want to thank my mum. Anyway, so their unending support. By the way, that was such a lovely moment for anyone watching the film when you've just revealed the most glorious tattoo on your arm. Oh, saying, yeah, yeah. We got it. My sister and I got it on her 70th birthday, which was a day after, uh, a week after she died. She was going to go, she was going to get this a tattoo herself. She had, had she been Ill already. Or... She Sorry. died of complications after COVID. So oh. she was a vulnerable case. And uh, had she not got COVID, that wouldn't have been her time. But she got. I'm sorry, co- I interrupted you. I apologize. No, that's fine. No, that's fine. But um, so that was, she was ill from September uh, 2021 and died in January, January the 25th of this year. But yes, yeah, so my mum and dad started unending support. When I was young, my dad, so that's number one, that thing that shaped me because I would not, I would maybe be a teacher, which is great, but it's not what I just want to do. I do teach, but I know it's not it's what just you what also I want to do. I love it. That's what I also want yeah. to do. Um, so when I was eight, I remember my dad my mum and dad still together, married for a long time, 30 years. Ago. Um, my dad said he's going to Saudi for five years for to work. And I said, like, what? So my dad worked away abroad, um, so we wouldn't see him very much. And I remember, <laughs> this can be very cruel, I remember deciding to survive the situation by emotionally blocking him out of my life. And it took quite a few years, um, I think, for us to get, for me to allow him back in. So I hate goodbyes. I will not do goodbyes. I hate speaking on the phone when people are away. I would rather just not know. And I'm in a very tricky situation just now because I'm in charge of the bloody social media. So I have to know all this stuff about Cal being away. And I hate it. It's, It's torture. It's absolute torture. So and also when my dad would come home, I knew, okay, well, you're here for a week. And then you're, you're, you're here for two weeks, but I know after a week, I'll just be counting the days down. So I just will not enjoy the time at all because the separation is too much. So I definitely have a bit of a hang up about people leaving and I pretend that I just don't care, <laughs> which is not healthy. And what's his motivation to just go to Saudi to get just earn? To, so we could back. survive. So we could. Yeah. So my sister and I could um have more options and uh I mean it was a huge sacrifice and I completely understand it now obviously and we're we're close now and we have spoken about it and god he must have oh so kind not to 
retaliate with what I was giving him, you know. And how um, old were you when he left, Shona? Eight, 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 was eight. Sorry, so it was, it was, yeah. So, so his sort of, and you know, we did go to Saudi, and we had this a great experience of another culture and. All, all the job, great stuff. By the way. He was a teacher. He taught. So he, it was with Aramco Oil, but he wasn't an engineer. He would teach mm. um, the Saudis and the non-English speakers English. And then he went into teaching them IT skills. And very, my dad's a very bright guy. I think he's got three degrees or something ridiculous. Um, and he went down the teaching route and he worked abroad I was born in Malaysia and my mum and dad used to also live in Oman so they 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 were that was going away being adventurous I guess that was passed down on to me as well I love I love going away and I do we have Cal and I and the kids have lived in different places for jobs and things and my job is very much um you're quite transient through your life you you make friends and I've still got lots of very great old friends, but it's very much the adventure at the time. And then you move on to another adventure. And my mum and dad were were great at doing that. So there's that. Um, number three, I had my first kid at 26. And for an actor, that's quite young. And for an actor, when things were going really well, um, that was pretty young as well. But I, when I met Cal, I met Cal when I was 23 and he was 41. And we did a radio play together. And I was like, who is this old dude with <laughs> like <laughs> tattoos on his arms? Why is he not married? What's wrong with him? But he's so much fun. Why do I like this guy so much? This is really odd. This is not the sort of person I would tend to go for. He very much felt, we were in London, he very much felt like someone from home like the connection felt like we'd known each other an extremely long time and it didn't make sense in my head because he was so much older than me and I thought this can't and then so we did the radio play for a couple of days and then we all went to the pub as you do and then we all went to Soho I was supposed to actually see my friend Abigail McCarran in a play and I missed it. I did go and see it with Cal. I was supposed to go and see her in, um, oh, Attention Must Be Paid, Death of a Salesman. And I was just having so much fun with Cal. I was like, oh. So I, I told Abby, it's terrible, that I couldn't make it, but I'd come and see her, which we did. We did follow through on that. And I just had this incredible night with Cal in Soho and it was so much fun. And he was just... I knew he was a good in because he um, kept getting phone calls from friends and then I'd meet his friends and his friends were great. And I thought, you are a good in. And this is such an adventure. I think we'll hang out a bit more. Anyway, so we hung out. We had like a summer of love. And then I dumped him swiftly every two weeks after that, thinking this can never work. And then realized this has got to work because he just makes everything so much better for me so I thought right if we're going to have kids we've got to get on with it and I didn't expect it to happen so quite so fast <laughs> but anyway yeah so we had a couple of years of good fun and then we just got down to having kids and then I was 26 told my agent I remember the conversation on the phone because I was shooting something called wedding bells and I'd done a week and they had to reshoot a fight sequence. And I was like, oh, God, I feel quite nervous about this fight sequence. And I phoned my agent. I said, look, can you speak to the producers? Because the thing is, I'm pregnant. And she went, she, there was a pause. She says, well, you've shot a week, darling. So it'll be more expensive to re replace you. So uh, we'll just talk to them. So she was worried that I'd lose the job. And she was doing her job right. But it, it kind of... After that, I did keep my pregnancies fairly I, quiet, for, quiet for as long as I could um, in the business. But yes, having kids early has completely, not early, or when I had kids at 26, everything changed emotionally for me. I didn't want to, I turned, I turned quite a few auditions down. Some work I did turn down because I just wanted to, I just wanted to be with my kids. I just wanted to, and it doesn't actually think, I thought, okay, when I get to 40 or whatever it is, um, I'll be a young mom, the kids will be fine. And then I can go off and 
traveling but actually as soon as you get a call for a job your first question is how long is it where is it yes you know can can the kids come because it's the pool isn't it the the, the you know the, the drawback to to your kids is so strong it's so lovely that you get drawn sucked into a, an adventure in principle but you're going to do it as a squad which is really good and the well, fact that's they factor, it, yeah and we do, and we have. You know, my my middle kid was born in uh, Johannesburg, in the sticks, actually, in Johannesburg, in the house, out in the country, because Cal was shooting wild at heart. Um, our eldest was only two and a half, so we thought, oh, well, I'll just get pregnant again and go over. And so we had her over there, and it's brilliant. We've been to Canada, we've been to Australia, and we're going to Antigua as a squad to, to welcome Cal home. So, yeah, we're very much a squad of us and I don't see why it shouldn't be that I mean I've had I've had heated debates with producers when they're you know when the kids are tiny as well you know when I, and I have to breastfeed and I need to bring my kids in and I need to bring my mum was great she used to help me um but you know the, the the hoops that they used to make you go through you can't anymore I don't think with how things are going I had to one sign a paper saying I was absolutely responsible for the life of my child so of course I'm what is, why it's all intuitive yeah um and also control your as we know that adage control your destiny or others will control it for you I love the fact that it gives you power back because yeah acting as a profession is often powerless so anything that re reclaims that power and the center ground of that is obviously positive yeah, I think a lot of people have time to had had time to reflect over the last couple of years in lockdown and what is important and for me love is it and there's so much love in my house and in my life that when you when you do I, I don't feel the need to chase this this ungraspable uh goal of being a fill in the blank actor I just want to be an actor and have a family and the lovely position if they wait for them to come to you rather than you needing to be desperate to go to them which is just a much better more authentic yeah. more you know present and you know kinder to your own heart as well yeah absolutely what's important yeah lovely uh we're still doing the shapeage we could be up to number four cashier number oh. four please Unless we've done oh that. yes no um i've got a really um strong work ethic and I think I got it from my dad who's a bit of a workaholic and uh, I wasn't really aware of it until I started to do because I thought everybody works really hard being an actor everybody works I went to a drama college and you're in there from nine till nine and you just you know you work really really hard and then uh, I started to make all these sort of <laughs> decisions in my life uh, you know I would work really hard and then I got into running and I would run 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 did marathons and I did this Ironman which is insane and then I started to do the youth theater and then you know I've, I've done a, I'm doing a master's and then I won't just have one kid I'll have three and it's like this oh and I guess it's more than just a work ethic it's a it's a I guess a bit of an addiction to being busy to feel that I'm working hard I don't like things to feel easy and uh, I remember at my college <laughs> I once had this conversation with a tutor and uh, they first of all told me to not take things so seriously. And I was really <laughs> confused by that. I was like, what do you mean? Like, I'm, I, I, I'm seriously trying to do my bit and I totally understand what they mean. I'm sort of working myself up into a, this has got to uh, be difficult. Uh, and then, you know, my agent has told me before uh, a few years ago now, maybe about 10 years, to have more of a sense of humour about the industry. <laughs> I'm just working so hard. And, but I, I kind of get that. And now I try in the work I'm doing, especially as since, you know, the last couple of years, and I try and make sure that if I'm working hard on something that I'm enjoying that process. So if I'm working hard at the youth theatre, that it is enjoyable you're not just stuck in this so for example things that I hate admin I, I and I'm dyslexic and it's just it is actual torture looking at a screen and I make loads of mistakes and um I get quite it raises an anxiety in me because I, it doesn't really matter how long I spend on something 
if I'm not surrounded in the room by other people calming me down and correcting my mistakes, I, it will just be a torturous experience. So, you know, we've and, got... And there's a sort of... What I'm hearing is a sort of centre ground of a desire to emanate like a centrifugal force energy, but you're not yeah. doing it in a scattering to the winds way. Because yes. also what I'm hearing is because of your self-awareness in what matters and what really counts, you know, love being at the heart of it and your family, the squad, yeah. um, it means I don't doubt you've got very good and discerning at, at knowing exactly what to say yes to. It's a process, but also be really clear about what to say no to. Yeah. And I think I'm quite... Um hard-headed and, and forceful in situations where I've had to be, um, in situations where I'm sort of sticking up for somebody else or trying to get something. So principled and assertive. Yes, yeah. I think so. I think you've got to be, it's frowned upon when you're, I remember having a conversation with Cal, I was having trouble on set and he tried to give me advice and I said, look, mate, it is fine coming from you who, whatever age he was, I think he was in his 40s, I'm a under 25 year old actress. If I behave like that, if you say things how you are advising me to say, it's going to be so tricky for me. I've got to be clever about it. Um, and there was an element of having to be clever about getting your objective. But as you get older, and maybe as you get a bit more confident about your worth mm. in situations, and you are, you're just, I mean, just a bit more forthright without you know, being aggressive. Yeah. And, and self-awareness is the holy grail. So if you want, one knows one's own worth, that's the yeah. epic quest we're all on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's one's own centre ground, whatever that is, with principles, values and what you hold dear. Yes, exactly. I agree. And now I believe we're on to three things that inspire you. What have I put? Um, I know Cal said me, so I felt it's <laughs> Cal does inspire me. <laughs> Cal is incredible. Like Cal is unafraid, or that's not true because to be he's brave, and to be brave you have to have fear and sort of choose to do. But his approach to life, like I said, I met him when he was forty-one. I'm like, who is this guy with no uh, wife or kids? He must just be a nightmare. He must just be so self-obsessed that he's never, you know. And then the more I learned about him, the more I realized that he just is a very much in the present type of dude and doesn't attach drama to anything that uh, doesn't need it. He's not interested in conflict. Um, and I am. And so that's tricky. <laughs> but I win all the time, so it's fine. He's not interested <laughs> in conflict and um, he's really interested in adventure that's my dog talking he's lost his ball ever do you mind getting his ball for him it's just oh okay and uh making connections with people and you know there's the whole edinburgh glasgow divide thing where if you're at a bus stop in edinburgh and someone talks to you you're like oh and you bus stop in glasgow and you don't talk to the person next to you they're like what's wrong with this person they're not talking to me so at cal when we like when we're in a rush doing the school run or whatever cal t stops to talk to people it's not just a hi and then i was seeing i was like do you know no i don't know and we just like, oh what what head down head down and walk edinburgh way so cal sort of um, part of our um vows that we made a vow. We had a humanist ceremony, which was lovely, and you come up with your own vows. And my memory is notoriously bad. Apparently, it's a dyslexia thing. I don't remember lots of things. Big life events. It's like they never happened. I read back papers I've written. I don't remember writing them. It's really quite bad. Anyway, so Cal tells me about all these events. However, I do remember one of the vows is that we promised to keep having adventures, to keep going on adventures together. And... Through the, you know, the mundanity sometimes of having to, you know, just keep going and the, you know, keep the house going and where are we going to get work? And there's always a sense of adventure. And also we go on these crazy adventures and he's, you know, offering the Atlantic Ocean. So Cal for me is hugely inspiring. Um, uh, my mum was she had polio when she was a kid and she had um she was born with spina bifida 
so curvature of the spine and she had a leg shorter than the other she had to get it um stretched when she was a kid so she spent a lot of time through her years and then she got post polio syndrome which is not nice so she was in and out of hospital and a lot and in pain constant chronic pain all the time and she there was a lot of pain management going on and I didn't sort of understand when I was a kid because she was just so capable and like, like I said my dad went to Saudi so she just got on with it with you know the two of us um, and keeping things going and I used to joke I was so busy I had basketball swimming badminton gymnastics drama all these things and I sort of realized that that was just a way that my mum coped just keeping us keeping us busy back in the day when actually you could go somewhere for 50 pence and it didn't break the bank um, but her resilience and her her sort of the way she attacked life was incredible, uh, considering her physical challenges, you know. And um, she, her house was always an open house. There was always lots of people around our house. Everyone was so welcome. And at her funeral, it was packed people were standing the people stand um, me and my dad did the but my dad was like mc for the not mc but whatever you call it and then i did a bit as well but we were standing together and there was people behind me like all around the coffin and you know people were standing and it just reflected and what my dad said beautiful things about her reflected her um ethos and it was really about living and loving and um accepting everyone to as someone of value in your life and she had so many friends and she always said uh, yes to adventures you know so my mum so for the third one uh so I got into teaching seven years ago because my big two went to this drama club in Portobello and the girl that was uh, took it, she was going off to have her second kid and, and my kids loved it. It was really tiny little thing. It was called Porty Youth Theatre and they did fun stuff, but it was manageable for one person to run it. And I said, oh, look, well, I'll take on, I'll take on the primary class. It was one class. Um, and that, you know, cut to seven years later, we've got 200 odd young people and actually it's the what inspires me is them because they are they don't know of course there's different phases of a young person's life and their sort of um their their awareness of themselves and you teach a class for seven to eight year olds and that they are a lot not all the time but you will find young people who are completely free and unafraid of appearing silly or, and then, you know, you, you go to the high school classes and there's a whole different, they've had a whole load of life behind them and a whole load of things go on and they have a different approach, but whoever I'm teaching or teach a lot less or whoever I'm watching, um, when you get a moment when they do something that they either didn't know they could do or didn't think they could do, or you can see their faces like discover something about themselves for the first time. It's just, God, it's so, so amazing. And to be, to know that you are, you've, Cal hates this word facilitator. I don't know why he hates it so much, but you facilitated that only in the sense that, you know, I've got this thing going, we've created a safe space, it's inclusive, so we provide whatever it is that's needed to provide for anyone to come and to give them the opportunity to, and then them to go, oh, yeah, it's great. And to give them also a relief from their lives because it's, yes. they've had, we, we, we've got <coughs> vulnerable people that that come, but also, uh, you know, they've had, the last couple of years have been pretty awful, but to be able to, um, watch them be joyful and light and inspired. It's like, oh, that's what life is about. And to see someone, watch someone do that and, and be that is 
amazing. Lovely. Yeah. I think now we're on to two things that never fail to grab your attention. Oh, squirrels. So you may have, if there's any overlap, don't worry. But two things. Yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, I'm slightly addicted to my phone. It's sort of crept up on me. It's really awful. I have to deal with that. Next monster of distraction or squirrel? Mailing lists for funding applications. So if there's, a, so we're constantly trying to get funding. So if there's a funding application for accessible, inclusive experiences in the performing arts, I'm like, right. And now, um, if I may lick us along to a quirky or unusual fact about you, we couldn't possibly know Shauna McDonald until you tell us. So after we shot The Descent, me and three other girls went to Soho and got a nipple pierced. Lovely. A particular one. I know there's only two to choose from unless you're... Um... I got I got my right one done. It, it lived in there for a while and then I don't think it was put in correctly. And my hair kept getting caught. Oh, dear. Uh, so <laughs> it doesn't exist. I don't know about the other two, whether they still have theirs, but it was it was a bit of uh, rebellious, crazy antics that I loved. And actually it kind of reflects the five of us. We were, it was such an amazing time. We shot it in Pinewood and we worked hard and played hard as well back in the day when you're in your twenties and you can do that. You can do both and not look like a car wreck the next day. Great, quirky or unusual fact. So we've shaken your tree and now we're still in the clearing, which is uh, on the beach with your dogs, the squad, oh, yes. half, some of the squad. And now no, they, can be, they can be in the background. I've just broken away to get some peace. Yes, I pulled you towards <laughs> me in the tree. So now um, we're going to talk about alchemy and gold. Uh, you may have given us this already by the bucket load in any case, but when you're at purpose and in flow, mm. McDonald, what are you absolutely happiest doing? Acting. I know that's very obvious. Something magical happens when you're all in in the, in the space, in the theatre, and the heart, the audience's heartbeat starts to beat as one. And because you're all having this shared experience, and it kind of hadn't really thought, I know people have, I have said that quote to other people, and they've gone, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. It's like, oh, well, why have I never heard that in my 20-odd years of being an actor? I didn't know about this heartbeat thing. Like, no, 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 science is, science, um, um, scientists have done, you know, tests on this. I went bypass me. Maybe I was doing telly at the time. But there's something that just uh, reminds you of, of why you've chosen this crazy life when you're on stage or when you're discovering something in, in a rehearsal room. And now I'm going to award you with a cake. Um, mm. So do you like cake, uh, Shauna McDonald? Mm, I do like cake, yes. So what's the cake of choice, please? It's a metaphor. Uh, uh, the cake of choice, probably a good chocolate fudge cake that's warm. It's been uh, melted. Nom, 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 nom. So now we get to put a cherry on the cake, so it's becoming a bit of a black forest ghetto. So now this is the uh, a series of storytelling metaphors to do with what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? What's a favourite quote? You've given us one already. Maybe there's another one. And then what notes, help or advice might you offer to a younger version of yourself? And we're yeah. ramping up towards Shakespeare and all the world's stage and a bit of legacy. So how would you like to interpret your cake? So what was the first one? Remind me. So Memory in any order you like, have you got another inspirational quote that's always given you sucker and pulled you towards your future? Uh, quote? Well, I think just when my agent said, have a sense of humour. I know that's not a quote. That was advice. Is that the same? Have a sense uh, of humour. Have a sense of humour, meaning it's not personal and laugh when when um, the shit stinks. It's funny. Nice. Slapstick. Comedy in the darkness. All good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Well, I guess that was my agent, but um, <coughs> my mother told me I can do anything I wanted, which is so How not precocious. true. <laughs> <laughs> but she, having been a woman, a disabled woman who had limited choices, told her children they could do anything they wanted. And, the, you know, by the way, we couldn't. Like, you know, it's not that we were, had an, a bottomless pit of money. My dad sacrificed five years so we could, you know, um, go to uni. Um, but actually, that made me go, yeah, yeah, I can. So I've made lots of choices on the on the belief 
that I can, but actually they know that I know I can. So, you know, I'll have three kids, I'll open this thing and I'll be an actor and we'll do all these things because I can do anything I want. And it links rather nicely to that philosophy of if someone asks you to do something, you don't know how, say yes and work it out later. It just I'm gives very you a, much, a strident, yeah. yes and, yes and, yes and. Which again, It's a yes it. and, yeah. I'm very much yes the world of comedy improvisation as well um okay what's the um what notes help or advice might you proffer to a younger version of yourself put effort in to all your friendships i was using silence there to, to, uh, to let it hang thank you very much <laughs> I liked it. It was perfect. And now, inspired by Shakespeare and all the world's a stage and all the billy players, when all is said and done, Shona MacDonald, Scottish Defter award-winning Hectress, uh, what would you, how would you most like to be remembered? Someone who you wanted to hang out with the most. <laughs> someone that you always want, someone that you always looked forward to seeing. Where can we find out more about uh, Shona and the Edinburgh Youth Theatre on the Hinterweb? Well, we Edinburgh Youth Theatre does exist on the old Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our website is www.eytheatre.com. No, and, and then where about you as an actress? I know we can Wikipedia you as well, but is, what so oh. about you? Uh, me? So, yes, yeah, so I exist as well on Twitter, Shauna McDonald. The Owen McDonald's zero. So clever. Because there's another Shauna McDonald who I love and she lives in Toronto. And we were over there with Cal's play, The Judas Kiss. And I direct message her on Twitter and I said, Shauna, it's Shauna. Shall we meet <laughs> up? We keep getting each other's fan mail. Let's just meet up and be pals. So we met up. She came to the press show and it was like, you know, who do you think you are? That, that, show where you meet I was so nervous meeting this woman and she was amazing and so much fun and full of life and I said ah oh! and she's remained in my life and uh, but so she's the other Sean McDonald the Canadian Sean McDonald so on Instagram I'm called the Scottish Shauna McDonald lovely and um, as this has been your moment in the sunshine in the good listening to show is there anything else you'd like to say Shauna no it's just been a pleasure but I would like to say as all my I say things in the moment and I will go away and think about what I've said and change my mind and opinion on what I've just said. That is kind of what I do. And I will forget everything we've said as well. But I'll send it to you so you can revisit it. But I love okay. the fact you'd change your mind because this that's the construct of this. If you were to do this three weeks next Thursday, it would be different. Yes. And that's what's yes. exciting about it. Yes. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, mean, 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 you've been listening to me, Chris but this has been Shona McDonald in the Good Listening To Show. Do hang around because we're going to do, after the outro, we're going to do a quick postscript about Atlantic Body and Soul and the fact that Cal McEninch is now, as I record this, as we record this, is splapping um, across the Atlantic, uh, rowing 3,000 miles. But uh, find out more about that after this. But thank you very much indeed. Would you like to say anything else? Thank you for listening. And good night. You've been listening to The Good Listening To Show here on UK Health Radio with me, Chris Grimes. Oh, it's my son. If you've enjoyed the show, then please do tune in next week to listen to more stories from The Clearing. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, then please do so. There's also a dedicated Facebook group for the show too. You can contact me about the programme, or if you'd be interested in experiencing some personal impact coaching with me, care of my Level Up Your Impact programme, that's chris at secondcurve.uk. On Twitter and Instagram, it's... At that Chris Grimes. So until next time, from me, Chris Grimes, from UK Health Radio, and from Stan... To your good health. And goodbye. So, uh, Shauna, your lovely husband, Cal McEninch, is currently rowing across the Atlantic as we speak. Yes. I'm full of admiration for the sort of I am Spartacusness of it. Mm. I've mm. been to the gym recently and I've been rowing for three bursts of five minutes and I feel good about myself and knackered. Yeah. And as I understand it, they've got to do, you can tell us, but you'll show, share the maths. It's something like 40 or 50 days, two hours on, two hours yeah. off constantly. So yeah. just, just talk us through what Cal's currently doing and what your role in it is and how we can best help. So they are rowing from La Gomera, um, island um, of Spain, to Antigua. They've been rowing for 10 days. Uh, uh, we think they're about a quarter of the way there. So 
40 days or less, hopefully, they were when they set off. Uh, a crew of five. Um, and by rowing, I mean rowing. It's not sailing. It is just rowing with oars. Um, when they set off with a crew of five, they were hoping for 37 days, but they have hit some horrific weather, uh, strong headwinds, and also, uh, I don't know how many boat enthusiasts there are out there, but their auto helm has been working overdrive and been draining their batteries so they've had no power so the first time it happened they put the anchor down and they drifted to try and sort of figure out what to do and then the second time they kind of knew that they could keep rowing but in darkness because it happened overnight again Uh, and you you steer manually it's foot steering but you're down to only one rower when you do that because the other spaces are taken up with other people doing other things to keep the boat going so they've had terrible lack of sleep it's hard to take on enough calories have got to eat well it depends on their their body mass but on average six thousand calories a day and they're trying their best to to get there it's part of a, a flotilla of of boats there's 43 this year some are doing it by themselves i what, just you mean solo rowing you mean yeah the youngest is a 23 year old girl doing it by herself oh, it's, it. it's insane um so they've been training over the last year. They're doing it for two incredible charities. One's called Body and Soul. They are Their mothership is based in London, but they call themselves a charity without borders. Um, and also The Junction, which is a charity in Leith. Both do quite similar work, working with um, mostly young people or people that have experienced trauma uh, or are experiencing something in their lives that they need help with. So mental health and well-being uh, for the junction and body and soul is uh, a bit more based specifically on on trauma. Um, very small charities that need a lot of money to exist, never mind, you know, add to the amazing things that they do. So we're just trying to make it worth it because, you know, I spoke to Cal yesterday morning. He did not sound good. He actually sounded, he was so exhausted, he sounded drunk. Um, he'd just done a, come off another two-hour row and he kept leaving pauses in between <clears throat> speaking, not at natural sentence ends. And um, so it was a bit of confusion and a bit of just being overwhelmed and so exhausted, you know. So we're hoping, and I've been told by people who have rowed it before and other teams that are doing it and also, you know, Atlantic campaigns that it does get a bit better. You know, the first 10 days to the two weeks is the worst and then they get into the nice, you know, winds going, pushing them along. And then obviously it's harder getting into Antigua, but you're so near the end that it pushes you through. But this is by no stretch of the imagination easy. It's very very difficult and it is dangerous and um but Cal's with bad all... weather i'm a, i'm assuming huge lolling waves of oh, epic proportions as well that they're... yeah epic epic waves epic wind epic sort of current and it's like treacle you feel and mentally you feel you're not going anywhere and that's one thing he said he said you know i wake up and we've not gone anywhere and they have gone somewhere but not I mean, wake up coming round to what they've just done or when he's managed to get a couple of moments of sleep. So the routine is two hours on, two hours off, two hours on, two hours off, 24-7. And and how many are rowing at any one time if there's five? Well, two, um, because three, unless it's complete calm, it would just be crashing oars. So, you know, very smooth rowing, the oars are going like that. But in the sea, it's really hard to get the oars going like that so if you have three doing it it's just going to get all tangled so it's usually it's two on two but when it's just manual steering is what it is at the moment it's just one rower on someone checking something someone steering and two people getting rest and so in the two hours off you've got to cleanliness is personal hygiene being drummed it's so important to be clean and dry otherwise horrible things happen to your derriere uh, trench foot of the arse is not nice yes. so they've got to clean themselves they've got to eat and take on water and fluids 
um, and they've got to rest. They've got to try and sleep, which they're really struggling to and do. Thank you for saying trench foot of the arse. I've never heard that expression, but it's so viscerally, wow, that is important that you don't get that. <laughs> yes. Well, they've done quite a few courses and they were shown pictures to sort of drum at home. This whatever is, you do, don't get Don't get foot. this. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it is, what's the sort of um, the worst case scenario? Not they're going to need to get rescued, but is there mm. some sort of, I mean, they've obviously got a satellite phone, which is how you spoke, but w- what's the sort of support structure around them? I guess it, they've taken on food for 51 days. So if they, if they end up taking longer than that, then they'll have to give enough notice to get a rescue. But the rescue is, a rescue is maybe 48 hours away because you've got two yachts um as supporting the 43 team. in the flotilla yeah so they're yes. they may be helping a solo roar um who are hundreds of miles away from you so you've just got to hold on tight they're self-sufficient they've got everything they need on board including a defibrillator you know they've, they have to they've had sobering conversations with safety officers about you know eventualities and they've been um made to thankfully run through every possible situation so they feel prepared and able to make decisions but if you throw um severe exhaustion dehydration um you know into that it's really I mean, tricky. also what preparation mentally did they get for that moment when you think i've had enough of this get me out of here you know whatever it might be because well, I, I can imagine you go to yeah. all, all points of the emotional spectrum yeah well, they have, they've done training. They've done. They went off for a week around the uh, Scottish Western Isles. <laughs> you know, it's not the Atlantic. They've done quite a lot of um, courses and talks with um, like sports, uh, not scientists. Um, what's the cr- correct? Uh, not counselors, but trying to get you in the right well, mind. Psychologist, frame. you mean? Psychologist, yeah. yeah. And uh, endurance sports psychologists and <clears throat> people that know and people that actually do a lot of these psychologists have actually done endurance sports and they're yes. sort of given advice and and you know talking about you know really when you're not when your body's not getting the nutrition or the water or the salt it needs this is what can happen to your mind and you can hallucinate <laughs> and all this stuff so yes you can be told it's a bit not that. Well, the obvious is childbirth. You're told everything. Yes. You're given all the information. And then it actually is the doing of that thing. And so, yeah. So you have to row through it. Gosh. And so it's nothing but, you know, superhero strength and admiration, you know, an amazing thing. So it's the Talisker Whiskey Challenge. Mm -hmm. And just to recap, it's five of them. Very sort of Robinson Crusoe-esque. They're they're in that vessel, aren't they? And that is their existence for the number Mm -hmm. of days it's going to take them. Yes. Um, And I don't doubt they will be forever lifelong friends, (laughs) you know, because... I hope so. Yes. (laughs) I hope so. But running 3,000 miles. Gosh, it's it's an extraordinary thing. So um, how can we support... Uh, tell us about the various Facebook groups and things. Yes. So you can find us on Instagram, which is Atlantic Body and Soul. Um, on Twitter, TWAC2022. Um, and Facebook, Atlantic Body and Soul. Um, but if you go on to Instagram, um, I've got a, a cool link tree going on. So if you find us on Instagram and and uh, click on our link tree in the biog, I will update with all the relevant information about, you can see interviews with the crew, you can see how to donate and also our other social media platforms and anything new. Um, for instance, we will, um, Atlantic campaigns, they stream live, the the streamed the start live and also every book coming in is streamed live on Facebook and on YouTube across the world so I will keep everyone updated with that wonderful and anything else you'd like to say about the Atlantic Body and Soul epic quest um no other than I'm sort of equally proud and pissed off with the whole situation Oh, it's amazing. And I can't quite, every time I I wake up in the morning, I go, oh my God, Cal's out in the Atlantic. Or if I catch myself in the day, I'll go, oh my God, Cal's out in the Atlantic. 
I just can't comprehend. Um, they're all amazing. The the it's been such a hard slog to get to the start line because you have to raise a lot of money to mm. get to the start line. Um, they were very much looking forward to just rowing, and I think the reports back is that they're all incredibly, incredibly, incredibly exhausted. And only a quarter of the way through, you were saying, is that right? Or yes, a quarter yes. of the way, and it will pick up, and they'll get the wind, and they'll progress, much like in a labour where you like it's not going anywhere. I'm going in circles, and then suddenly you start to dilate, and you're like, ah, yes, you know, no. they can see the end, and then <laughs> and then they give birth at the end. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat today with that going on in the background, because I wondered whether you'd rather wait until he's back and then we do it. But I love the fact that you said it was going to be a happy distraction anyway. Yes. And it was about you, not about him this episode. So that was all good. So, Shana, we've just had a good listening to. um, How was the process and the journey of it for you? What did you think of the construct of it and how that felt? I really enjoyed it. I think it's I had to um, be strict with myself about trying not to overlap. But then you sort of at the moment, all roads lead back to my mum. <laughs> That's the sort of where I am in grief. And um, I, I know that will morph and change into other things. But yeah, I really loved that process. I'd love to do it again in five years and see see how much has changed. Let's do that. Make a booking for five years' time, please. So anything else you'd like to say? About cows rowing? No, not yet. That's coming next. About this this process. No, it was really lovely. It was great spending time thinking about me. Get in. Exactly. So um, you've been listening to Shauna McDonald, and it's Cal McAninch, who is part of the Atlantic Body and Soul Talisca Whiskey Challenge. Uh, Thank you very much indeed. Um, Happy Christmas and all that shablang. See you soon.